May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. What would the world be like without walls? Have you ever thought about that? What the world would be like without walls? I remember when, um, when my boys were young, they used to... Uh, they used to dream about the, getting an entire department store for themselves. You know, like they could, they could just claim it as their own and, and lock the doors and, and they would be the only ones that get, you know, got to be in there and, and everything would be for them. And, and I, I think it was on a, a family vacation or something that we were driving and, and they were talking about this. They were saying, one other, well, what store would you want? If you could have any store that you could just have for your own, what would you want? And, and you know, they were young and so... Uh, I think one of them said something, you know, like a Walmart, because it's all the food and all the toys. You know, I could have all the food I wanted and, and all the toys. I'd, I'd ride bicycles around the store and, you know, and all that sort of silly stuff, you know. And, and if you tried to come in, I'd shoot you with a bow and arrow that I got out of the sporting goods. You know, all the, the things that boys would do. And, and then another one would say, you know, I just want a toy store. Just give me a big giant toy store with nothing but toys in it. I don't need to eat. I just need toys. And, uh, and so they would, uh, they would say that. I, I remember the oldest one was... Oh no! Just give me a give me a Best Buy store. You know, I have all these electronics. I'd sit around, watch TV, and listen to to an iPod and play video games, and, and that's all I would need to do. And and they would sit around and just you know fantasize about what they could have anything they wanted. You know, what would it be? And um, and they never really thought about the fact that if they did hit the toy lottery like they were imagining, that first of all that they would even still want the stuff that they had access to. You know, I mean, you know, it is. They'd be bored with it in very short order. But they never really thought about what it would be like to you know, live in a world where you could just do that, where you could take what you wanted. And, um, and I guess it's because it's a fantasy, you know, it's just a, an idea, a dream, if you will. And so, yeah, of course. But in a real world, in a grown-up world, we know we can't live in a world without laws because laws protect us. They protect us from all sorts of things. They protect us from the evil that exists in, inside of people. And you're like, well, if a person's a bad person, they don't care. They break the laws anyway. Well, yeah, maybe you're right. But imagine you lived in a world where murder was no longer against the law. Where theft wasn't against the law. Where, you know, you had to put bars on your way. You couldn't be safe, right? So, so in a sense, the law does protect us. We need them. They keep us safe. Laws even keep us safe from the foolish things we might do. They protect us from our own foolishness. Like the laws, like, you know, no skating on thin ice. Good idea. <laughs> Don't skate on thin ice. You might be swimming in a very cold lake if you did. Or, or maybe uh, the quarantine laws. Twice this weekend, I sat down to watch um, this uh, movie, Contagion. I don't know if you've seen this film. It scares me to death, and I got like 10 minutes into it and stopped. And the next time I did, 20 minutes, and I stopped. So maybe sometime by the weekend's over, you know, I might muster the courage to watch this whole film. But I see people touching things, and, and, um, and I've got rubber gloves on at home, and, and I'm all freaked out. And, and so, you know, I, laws, we need them. I mean, imagine if there was this horrible plague going on, you know, and, and people had to be quarantined. We would quarantine people for the good of the society, you know, that we would need these kind of laws. In the ancient world, there were laws about quarantine from skin diseases. They fell under the general topic of leprosy. But there were lots of skin diseases that would be considered leprosy that weren't, in fact, the actual disease of leprosy. But the real disease, the actual disease of leprosy was a horrible disease. Um, it began with like a small scab on the skin. And then it would begin to attack the, um, the, the nerve endings in a person's body. 
uh, it would um, it would cause them to uh, to lose complete uh, feeling in a hand or an arm or a leg wherever it began. Then it would attack the muscle tissue and the tendons. If it was left untreated as it had to be in the ancient world, it would go from the muscle tendons and it would attack the brain. It would bring about dementia. And so it was an excruciatingly painful way to die. It was to the first century what, um, what AIDS has been to ours. Only with this caveat, there were no drugs to even slow the process. There was no awareness medically of how to prevent um, you know, being caught by other people. So, so the only thing that could be done was to quarantine people that they thought might have leprosy. And if it became full-blown and they realized that it was indeed this the skin disease of, or this deeper disease of leprosy, then they would be removed from the society for the rest of their lives. It actually was codified in the book of Leviticus. Book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. The person who has a leprous disease shall wear torn clothes. They shall let the hair of their head be disheveled. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! And he shall remain unclean as long as he has a disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now the law is not intended as a cruelty measure. It's not intended even to punish the person with the disease. The law is intended for one thing, and that is to sacrifice one for the good of the society. To put the person with the disease outside of the, of the community in order to save the, the rest of the community. It, it wasn't meant to be a hardship. It was meant to be something that would save people's lives. And yet, can you imagine being the one with the disease? Could you imagine if you were the one who had this awful disease, how difficult that would be on you? You could no longer have contact with your family or friends. People would take meals and leave them in a location. You would have to go there, not whilst they were there. You'd have to go there at another time. You'd have to pick up this meal and, and then take it back to wherever your, your habitat was and you, and you would eat there. You could have no contact, no community with anyone, save for other lepers. You'd be estranged from society. And listen to this. You could not go to the temple to worship. You could not offer sacrifice in ancient Israel. You could not be involved in the community of worship. So you're estranged from your family. You're estranged from your friends. You're estranged from the, 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 the greater society. And you're even estranged from God. You can have no contact. No contact. It wasn't just a death sentence. It was hell on earth. It was the worst possible thing. And so if a person had some sort of sore that developed on their hand or their arm or, or their leg, they would become panicked, terrified that it wouldn't go away. And somebody might find out, and as soon as they did, well, the law was the law. And so you get to Mark's Gospel. And in Mark's Gospel, you have the story of Jesus who's going about healing people. And you're not surprised at all. Guess who's going to show up? Who's going, to come, who's going to be the first in line, or at least among the first in line, to be healed? A man with leprosy. And he comes crawling. You, hear, you see that? He came kneeling is what it says. That, that's really not a good translation in there. He came crawling on his hands and knees. I mean, it's, it's a begging posture, isn't it? Uh, uh, oh, you know, see me. I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, do something for me. And he does what, you know, he looks like every other leper. His clothes are torn. His hair's disheveled. He's calling out in a loud voice, Unclean! 
I'm unclean, is really what he's saying, isn't he? Unclean, I'm unclean. He's telling people, you have to stay away from me. And yet, at the same time, he's ironically crawling towards Jesus, hoping for healing. I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, doesn't... But I want you to notice something. Look closely at the text. He doesn't say, you can heal me. He doesn't say, if you want, you can heal me. What he actually says, if you want, you can make me clean. You can make, it's the same word where we get, uh, it's catharizo, it's, uh, where we get um, uh, cathartic or catheter, you know, something that's cleansing, you know, that, that this is a cleansing kind of, you can make me clean, he says to Jesus, if you want. If you wanted, you could make me clean. Well, if you want. I mean, it kind of has the force of, you know, a roast beef dinner, let's say. You know, with, um, you know, a gravy and, and I don't eat them anymore, but potatoes. Oh, man, I love And some, you know, some you know, green beans, asparagus, something like that. I mean, imagine this great dinner. And, and I said to you, it's really cruel to imagine this, right? This is close to lunch, right? But imagine, imagine this. And I said to you, you could have some if you want. And you would say, what? Are you kidding me? Of course I want. And sit down and, and, and eat, right? The man says to Jesus, if you want, if you only wanted to, you could make me clean. He doesn't question Jesus' ability. He only questions his desire. Well, why in the world would he question this? I mean, you're saying, I, I read the Gospels. Jesus is a pretty nice guy. I think that he probably wants to, you know. Well, I'll tell you why. Because he, doesn't, he hasn't read the Gospels, first of all. Second of all, he knows, he's lived in the world long enough to know he doesn't matter. He doesn't matter to anyone. I mean, maybe his family and friends, they, they want to see him, but they don't even come to see him. They, they stay away. He comes and he, he, he knows that he's of no consequence to the world. And so he comes to Jesus begging. And then the text says this, Jesus was filled with compassion. The man comes kneeling, crying out, saying if you want, and Jesus is filled with compassion. Filled with, uh, with pity, you might even translate it. The word is, you know, we, um, we say, you know, we love something or you know, we love you with all my heart. You know, I love you with all my heart. Or, uh, you know, oh, that was so heart-wrenching. You know, the seat of our emotions is in the heart. In ancient Israel, it was a little further south. It was in the gut, you know. It was in, in the intestinal bowel area. This is where you would feel emotion. Jesus is moved. He, he, he feels the pain in his stomach. Uh, when, um, when my son Benjamin was real young, he was about three or four, and uh, you would hardly know it now. He, he's kind of a noisy kid, but, but back in those days, he was really quiet. And one day, he, he disappeared. It was just before supper, and we, I thought he was in his room playing, and he went out the back door. And I didn't know it. And, and, and we looked all over the house, could not find him anywhere. I mean, everywhere we look for, for this kid. And, and, um, and I'm up and down the street. I'm at the neighbor's house. I'm going everywhere. We're spreading out. Uh, you know, the other boys are going to Abbey somewhere. And we had, I had this panic feeling. You know that they used to say you could taste fear? And I always thought it was a metaphor. It's not. You can really taste it, right? And, and, I, can, and, and I have this pain 
I mean, my stomach literally hurt. Well, the boy forgot a toy in a car, and so he climbed in the car in the back seat, shut the door, got down on the floor, forgot that he was supposed to come back for it, and so he just started playing with the toy. And he's so small that he was on the floorboard of the car, and you couldn't see Well, I was so glad to see him. You know, hugged him, whatever, don't do that again, you scared me to death. But it took me hours before that pain went away. Have you ever felt something like that? Real low? Of course you have. Jesus sees this leper and he's moved with compassion. In his, you know, some people have even translated that he was angry because this word is so close. And pity and, and anger sometimes do come close together, don't they? Compa- sometimes when you see somebody who's hurting really bad, it, it just it angers you to think that a person could hurt like this. Jesus is moved with compassion, and here, this is scandalous. Do you see what he does? He reaches out his hand and he touches him. You are not allowed to do this in his world. This is illegal. He's breaking the law. I'm about to break out the Judas priest. And, and probably only Hal got that joke. He's about to reach out and touch him. Okay? He, he touches him. He's not allowed to touch him. It's against the law. It's a violation of the political law. If Jesus touches him, Jesus becomes unclean. Except there's only one problem. The man is healed. He's healed of this this disease. He's healed actually after Jesus touches him, not before. You know, to be God sort of means by definition you can do anything you want. I mean, it kind of goes without saying, right? I mean, if you're God, nothing is too big. There's no there's no leap too great. There's no there's no problem too too big. There's no obstacle too high. No chasm too wide. God can do whatever God wants. What we doubt is whether God is willing, not whether God is able. We know that you know our lives really aren't that important in the scope of the world. We, we don't make front page news. It's really saddened today. Wake up and see the, the, see the news that, uh, that Whitney Houston had passed away. Um, you know, but most of us in our lives wouldn't make that sort of front page news. We know that. We know that, um, that we're not that kind of people that, that garner a lot of attention. And so our question is, well, Lord, we know you're able, but do you want to? I mean, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to touch us where we hurt? Are you, really, are you willing to, to make things right in our lives? Are you willing to make us clean when we're unclean? You see, not all of us will be healed. There will be diseases that sometimes we get, and you know, eventually, someday, way down the road, you know, we'll pass from this life to the next. But all of us can be made clean. That's the good news of the gospel, isn't it? The good news is is that Jesus is willing and wants to touch every one of us. He wants to make us clean. He wants to reconcile us to society, to our families. He wants to reconcile us to God. He wants to break down every barrier that exists in our world. We don't have to coerce or beg Him. He wants to do it. He's on our side. The only question is whether we want to ask, not whether He's willing to act. Do you want to be clean? Well, the question is, does the Lord want to make us clean? The question is, do we want to be clean? Because all we have to do is ask.